Hello, my name is Giancarlo and welcome to the Creative Gap Podcast. This show is meant to guide creatives, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, designers, artists. We are going to be talking about all things related to craft, passion, ownership, self-employment, physical, mental health, and a bunch of other things too. So hopefully you enjoy everybody welcome back to the creative gap podcast and today is really special i have an amazing guest today very talented filmmaker ryan cow he is really really amazing and i've watched his stuff for years now Um, i think he's been on youtube for what six years now is that correct yeah well six years with my current YouTube channel, but I, I have been creating and posting on the platform since before my current platform. Um, but yeah, Amazing. Uh, I would say six years consistent. Well, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you coming on today. Of course. I'm so glad to be here. Great and thrilled to finally get to bridge the bridge the, the gap here and, and meet with somebody who I've also been watching for quite some time now. So it's, it's, uh, it's always really, really fun and exciting to allow these worlds to combine and get to connect with people who you respect in the industry. So before we start, for people that don't know who you are, can you provide a little context to just what you're about, where you came from and how you kind of grew up? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, don't like to believe that my story is much different than a lot of people who get started in in the industry. You know, I grew up being fascinated with the world of YouTube, spending like an an unquantifiable amount of time on the platform, you know, just growing up and being so interested in so many different random hobbies and being able to learn and just digest like so much entertaining stuff. And naturally, um, I became kind of interested in in cameras at a certain point, but it wasn't necessarily from the standpoint of uh, content creation or filmmaking or photography. It was mostly just like, oh, like, maybe it'd be kind of fun to record my own YouTube videos or do something like that. And so um, over time, I kind of just started learning about cameras and becoming fascinated with it. And eventually that led to getting my own DSLR and taking photos in high school, doing doing senior portraits. And um, sure enough, I got a job at a camera store when I was like, just about 17 years old, um, just kind of coming into the final years of high school. And same thing, still had no intent with like doing photography or being in the the video or filmmaking industry. But, um, you know, I was passionate and technical and knew a lot about electronics. And so worked retail selling cameras for a little while and quickly was able to immerse myself into the industry and um, meet a lot of different interesting people, professionals kind of working in the commercial industry in Portland. And uh, over time, I kind of started realizing, oh, maybe it would be fun to to start like playing around with this. So I started assisting pretty much for free for, I don't know, two years or so working at that camera store, just taking any time off I could to uh, go work and 
don't know, learn and absorb information from these pros, mostly starting in photography. I really didn't get into any video stuff for a while, but eventually the, the whole thing of being interested in YouTube when I was younger kind of came full circle and I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe it'd be fun to start making some vlogs or something like that. And so one thing led to another and about six years of basically messing around with cameras and creating things for fun and I have now led to a career uh, both here in you on YouTube as well as in the professional you know filmmaking commercial industry I split my time at this point now creating content on YouTube talking everything about filmmaking the you know creative creative pursuit of you know growing becoming a professional in the industry talking and being transparent about the experiences that I've faced, the things that I've learned. I, I hate putting on a face. I hate being something that I'm not. And so a huge part of my channel has just been being the most transparent version of myself and not being unafraid to uh, be vulnerable and, and share, you know, what, what's working, what's not working with everything that I'm doing in every aspect of my business. And that voice has um, earned me um, an amazing audience here on the platform and um, I have an amazing group of people that I've gotten to build and cultivate and meet and network and that has translated into my freelance business where you know I'm now working for some of the biggest brands in the world, you know, creating commercial campaigns for Adidas, for Puma, working on sets for Nike. And it's a blessing. It's, it's an absolute blessing to have, you know, taken something that was truly just a, a hobby, something that was fun, something that was entertaining to me that now is a full-fledged career that has taken me from, you know, the, the place I grew up in Portland, Oregon, to moving to Los Angeles, now working down here full-time and building a, a career out of it and learning every single day. Amazing. Dude, that's a great story. Um, there's so many things that I want to unpack in that huge segment. <laughs> but the first thing is, um, you said you got your job at a camera store in high school, correct? I did. Yeah. Um, so in high school at that time, was there any other career path you were interested in? Like, were you trying to pursue college at all? Like where, where was that journey? Cause I'm always yeah. curious about how you kind of, or how people found or how people really just, um, either choose college, choose film school, or just go strictly the freelance route? Like, what was your journey like? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a component to my story that I, when I tell it, it it's, it's so easy for me to kind of gloss over it. But it's rare that I actually really spend a whole lot of time and like reflect on it. Um, I was a really good student in, in school. I, you know, got really good grades and I was in, you know, a lot of AP courses and was very much, you know, on path to, um, you know, having a high GPA and more than likely being able to get into a school if I had chose to do that. But um, I actually also at that time was right, it was really right around the first kind of portion of my life where I really started to battle like mental health pretty heavily. Um, I was depressed without really realizing it. It's depression is, um, well, clinical depression has been uh, known to run in my family pretty heavily, especially on my mom's side. Um, and I just never really addressed it. So it was like this, this very confusing um, 
weight that I, I had on me and, you know, same also alongside of that anxiety. Um, and I didn't really know how to manage it or deal with it or how to um, just like, I guess, confront it. And so that kind of resulted in uh, really terrible sleep issues. And so I actually started missing a lot of my classes around my sophomore year or so. And so I spoke with my counselor and he was obviously concerned because I had been doing really good with my classes up to that point. And um, we kind of just concluded that I had some sleeping issues. And so we uh, ended up doing uh, part of my classes online and that made a really big difference to switch to online courses and you know kind of start still continuing down the academic path but um i don't know i started to lose interest for it at a certain point i i felt like i was smart and um had good knowledge and, and a good sense of you know who i was and what i was learning but i don't know i just uh those i i think those mental health issues kind of started manifesting in ways that i just couldn't really like control and so long story short um by my junior year i had switched to f full-time online courses and I thought that would have been a good idea, but um, I'm sure if, if you've ever taken online courses, you know that it takes a lot of a lot of motivation <laughs> and discipline to to stay yeah. on top of it. And so that kind of started slipping pretty pretty badly. And uh, long story short, I haven't talked about this much or addressed it with many people unless it's like you know personal conversation. But I dropped out of high school um, around yeah my junior year is when I kind of just stopped. Uh, pursuing my online courses. And that was a, a point in my life where my family, um, who is always very supportive of everything that I've done, you know, they're just, just good and encouraging and um, thoughtful parents. Uh, he, my, my dad kind of gave me the decision like, okay, well, if you're not going to continue with uh, schoolwork, then you should get a job. And so that was kind of the compromise. If I worked a job, at least for the time being, you know, maybe I could come back and get my GED. Um, and so, uh, through a friend of a friend recommendation kind of thing, I heard that this camera store in Portland was hiring for some holiday temporary help. It was kind of right around the fall. Um, and so I applied and, um, sort of got, um, you know, a word of recommendation from somebody and, and was able to get that temporary job and just quickly kind of fell in love with it and just realized I was good at the retail thing, good at selling cameras. You know, I knew a, a ton about them and spending all the time on YouTube learning about the new models that were coming out. And then I could go into work the next day and sell it to somebody and make commission. And so, yeah, um, that temporary job quickly became a full-time position. And, uh, I just never really looked back on school at that point. It wasn't even that mm -hmm. I had a, a, a goal or a direction that I was headed as much as I was like, you know, happy and uh, enjoying the process of working a, a job. You know, I've, I'd had various kind of small summer jobs and stuff prior to that, but that was my first kind of real, um, my first real job, I should say. And it just kind of clicked. It was nothing... It certainly wasn't that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm destined to be in retail. I want to become a sales manager or something like that. But it was like, well, you know, I'm doing this and it feels much more um, satisfying and fulfilling than um, spending my time on schoolwork and um, feeling like I was just kind of spinning my wheels. And so, yeah, I just kind of dove into that and 
basically started to realize that, oh, this, this, uh, this whole photo and video thing that I've kind of been interested in since I was really young is, is something that I could maybe start kind of learning about and investing myself and kind of um, uh, it, participating in the industry and kind of uh, soaking in information from all of these people that I was able to meet. Uh, the, the camera store I worked at was called Pro Photo Supply. And mm. it was one of the primary um, like photo stores and also rental houses in Portland. Um, and so throughout the roughly three years that I worked there, I was able to just just immerse myself and learn, um, you know, being a sales associate at that store, there was, um, you know, various training from different uh, camera manufacturers, you know, video, photo and video equipment manufacturers that they would put on. And so I was learning um, from the industry side, or excuse me, well, from the um, the retail back end mm -hmm. side. And I was also learning from the, the industry professionals that I was able to meet and offering up my help and, you know, assisting on commercial sets as a, you know, just a photo assistant um, and just, just, being a sponge and learning as much as I possibly could and then quickly realizing that, oh, if I were to apply some of this stuff that I'm learning and use some of my um, my benefits by working at a camera store, gear discounts, rentals and mm -hmm. stuff like that, I could maybe kind of start opening up a little side thing for myself doing freelance photo. And sure enough, over time, um, that all just started to snowball a little bit and actually turn into like, oh, there's a legitimate freelance path the business here. Yeah. yeah, and so it was it was completely unexpected and it wasn't anything that I had ever really dreamed of, um, but it, it worked and it, it started to become really fun to the point that I was, <laughs> I was asking for probably too much time off at, at certain points and, um, for those of you who have uh, listened to my story before, you might know that I actually ended up getting fired from that camera store. Um, oh man! Yeah, there's. I mean, it's 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 a bit of a story, but long story short, um, they were a, a little bit concerned with the fact of how much time I was investing outside of the the business, the outside of the retail environment, um, and, and maybe taking a little bit too much advantage of some of the benefits I had. So, um, one thing led to another and they, they did end up letting me go, but that was right at the point where, you know, my freelance career was just kind of starting to, to bud a little bit and, you know, show some potential. And I was also doing the, the YouTube vlogs. So was, that was kind of right at the point where the cinematic daily vlogging was like the thing. It yeah. was kind of one of the, <laughs> I wouldn't by any means say I was one of the like OGs of that, but it was definitely what, um, helped build my channel a lot in the early stages. Um, and so getting fired from that was kind of the first little, um, unintentional shove that, uh, I think many freelancers need. Um, and, mm. uh, mm. I kind of just took it and went with it from there and, never really looked back, I guess. <laughs> That's interesting. I, something that I find fascinating because I had to also quit a full-time job to pursue this. Do you think if you didn't get fired, how long do you think it would have take you before you realized I could do this full-time and maybe quit? Hmm. Yeah. I, I thought about that endlessly for, you know, the, the coming months after it had, it had happened, but 
I think I for sure would have probably been stuck in that environment for at least another year, maybe even longer. And I think a big part of that um, was I was living at home still. Uh, and so my overhead expenses and all of, you know, essentially the the requirement for me to, to make money and have a, a career and, you know, be self-sustainable was pretty minimum. There really wasn't much of a need to do it. Um, and so having a consistent paycheck um, is a very good feeling, <laughs> especially when you kind of come out on the other side of things and you've been freelance for a long time. When you finally get back to that place of having a consistent paycheck again, it's like, oh my God, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I really kind of liked the comfort of having a, a safety net of a job. Um, and so when it was taken away from me, although my expenses and um, overhead were still uh, at a, a pretty, you know, a, a minimum, um, the, I guess I would say the, the feeling of almost the, the self-conscious impact of, of not having a job at that age. Um, at the time I was 20, yeah, roughly 20. Um, I was out, well, all of my friends were out of high school and I, at that time, um, like I said, I, I had dropped out just a couple of years prior to that. And not a lot of people knew that about me, only really like my close friends and stuff, but um, yeah, I felt really self-conscious, like mm. working this retail job and, you know, kind of starting a little bit of a, a business and a, a brand, a creative brand, being a content creator. Um, but at the time, again, that was, it was so er early in its, um, in its age that it didn't feel substantial enough to really like back myself with it. And so losing, um, my, my <clears throat> first, you know, proper retail job, um, and essentially being self-employed and be, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur at the time where entrepreneurship was kind of weird, it, you know, yeah. not a lot of people were really, it wasn't cool like, back then. Yeah, yeah, it really wasn't. It, it, it's, and that might seem crazy to a lot of people who are kind of getting started in the industry now. It's like now everybody wants to claim the, mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur. And if you're, if you're doing it and you can back it, it's like, whoa, good shit. But like, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't cool. It, it, there were few people who were really doing it. And um, that's kind of like the age of like the, the Ty Lopez, like here, here in my garage, this, mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. books, this knowledge. Um, so yeah, I, it was, really just a, a, a point of, um, self-doubt and a, a little bit of like, you know, being self-conscious that I felt like, you know what, even though I don't necessarily have overhead and I'm, I'm not worried about paying my bills, you know, I'm living at home. I can, as long as I have enough money to do the things that I want to do and buy whatever I want off Amazon, then I'm happy. Um, I, I basically just kind of decided, you know, I do have to take this seriously because I want to prove to myself and my friends and the people around me that, you know, this, this, what has been a, essentially a hobby and a passion since I was, you know, back before high school, um, I, I have to do it now. You know, I was fired from a job for, for yep. essentially doing it. So, you know, let's take this seriously and, and see what it can turn into and, 
Um, I, I didn't let go of that, that determination and, and that, that hope for it. And I'm glad I didn't. I, I, that's truly the only thing that I think would have um, stopped me uh, if, if I hadn't or if I had stayed in that job is um, I, I probably would have not taken myself seriously because again, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Um, having this, this, uh, this little side thing while working at a camera store made sense, but had I been let go from, or excuse me, had I not been let go for that camera from that camera store, I mean, I probably would have just stayed as a, a, a side thing for quite some time. Yeah. So you started YouTube while you're simultaneously kind of doing this freelance thing a little bit. You were building both, I guess, simultaneously, yeah. right? At the same time. Yeah. What was more of a priority for you at that time? Was it the freelance businesses? Was YouTube just kind of like, oh, this is kind of fun? Like, what were your intentions with both? Yeah. Um, at the start, it was it was exactly that. YouTube was definitely uh, an exciting thing. Um, the fact that I was able to essentially just kind of run around with a camera, you know, capture the various kind of bullshit and activities that I was up to with my friends on the weekends, occasionally going out and doing like little photo shoots or like vlog missions, stuff like that. The fact that that was kind of just getting some social awareness and attention and kind of starting to build like a little bit of an Instagram following. Um, yeah, there was there was just sort of like, you know, bright eyed excitement for it, but it, it wasn't really anything that I ever considered being, you know, sustainable or having much potential. Um, it certainly wasn't making me much money in the early phases, as I'm sure, you know, you know, and everybody yeah. knows like YouTube is a I, I still know. I still know. Yeah, it's a, it's an extreme uphill battle um, from a monetization standpoint for a very very long time, um, and so for that reason alone, I I think yeah, it was never something that I really thought was serious or or to be taken seriously. It was more just like yeah, if I can kind of keep practicing and you know refining my skills, kind of honing in on like my own creative style and vision. Um, then, you know, it would just be a nice supplement, um, mm. creative outlet, uh, while I kind of pursued the freelance thing. And, um, for the long time, that was kind of your, and the freelance was kind of what you thought was going to be your ticket, kind of your career path. Yeah. I mean, especially after leaving the camera store, <laughs> leaving, uh, getting oh, <laughs> dropped from the camera store, um, I did have a, a, a reasonable network of, of people and creative um, professionals in, in the industry in Portland that supported me and, and liked, you know, who I was as a person, you know, the, the, the type of character that I um, presented, you know, how I held myself. And so, yeah, I was, I was still getting um, calls um, for cheap day rates to, to assist on, on sets and stuff. Uh, for a good year or so uh, after I had been let go from the store. And so that was kind of my, I guess, my glimmer of hope that, okay, if I can kind of keep doing what I was doing while working at the store and learning and, and slowly getting to to make a little bit of cash and, you know, pick up small jobs um, from word of mouth of, of those friends that, you know, maybe the, the 
the freelance career could still be viable. And so, yeah, it was just a matter of kind of splitting my time with projects that were fun and passionate and, you know, Mm -hmm. AKA YouTube and uh, simultaneously trying to build uh, a reputation outside of that by just, um, you know, kind of sticking my neck out and being available for people for whatever. And yeah, that was kind of the, the first, at least the, the first year or so that was the, the, the mission, I guess. When did you start seeing the switch and YouTube's and you, you started looking at your YouTube and you're like, Oh, this, this is starting to become something now. Yeah, it was, it was probably around when I had, I want to say between 15 and 20,000 subscribers or so. That's right that where was, I am right now. Yeah, it's yeah. The, you're you're at a really cool phase where um, the, your 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 audience number and your kind of like your average view counts are at a place now where you arguably are in like the the meat of like the competitiveness. Subbed 10,000 subscribers is like a really brutal ball game because, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a video or two kind of pop off and, and that absolutely will show the potential. You'll see a little bit of ad revenue mm-hmm. come in from that video. Um, but, you know, if you're, for instance, scrolling around on YouTube and you find a video from somebody that's super good, it's got, you know, 60,000 views or whatever, and then you click on their channel and they have like 8,000 subscribers, you're like, oh, okay, well, this guy's not really doing anything that serious. So that's the likelihood that that's going to convert into a subscriber is just low. There's Mm. just something odd about like a a four digit or excuse me, a four figure subscriber number. It's, it's, and well now, especially at this point, I think it shows as like 8.1 to the actual four digit number. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that reason alone makes, uh, yeah, makes that the sub five digit mark, uh, five figure mark really, really difficult for, for a lot of creators. Um, but once you crest that, I, I really found that the momentum started to come in with regards to, you know, the, the seriousness of like the comments mm-hmm. that would, that would land on my videos. People were asking to see things more regularly opposed to just those random comments that are like, this video is so good. Or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. great content. What song is that? You know, or what light <laughs> did you use there? People yeah. are genuinely asking questions and are, are, are interested in seeing more, quality content from you. Um, and so those small little waves of, of motivation really started to push me. And, and shortly around that time is when I started to get like my first few sponsor offers. Mm. Um, that's, that's a topic I wanted to talk about as well. So I'm glad you're, you're glancing over it. Um, that's like right around the time that, um, I, yeah, I really started realizing, Oh, I, I, if I, if I, think about how I want to monetize my channel and, and diversify those options, there actually is some potential here. There actually is some money to be made. And so that's when I started signing up for affiliate programs. And mm-hmm. that's when I started getting emails from different brands that were willing to do more than just send me, you know, a free mm-hmm. LED light. Um, companies who are actually interested <laughs> yeah. in, you know, paying a small amount to do, you know, the the mid video sponsor integrations or, you know, some that were interested in doing some dedicated content. Um, and right around that, that those, those first deals started happening. 
um, it, it kind of started clicking and I was like, oh, you know what? Like I am making a small sort of name and way for myself with the way that I am doing my content, you know, the, the authentic story that I'm trying to yes. tell. Um, and people see value in this. And mm -hmm. I think that's where like a whole mindset shift started to happen and realizing that um, we have such a, uh, an important and powerful opportunity here on YouTube um, that I think a lot of people, it's so simple when you, when you say it out loud, but I think a lot of people really don't take it uh, to heart. And it's that no matter how big or important you are, no matter, you know, how big of a, a network or a reputation you have, you have a story and your story is unique and your story is relatable. You're a human being. And if you can leverage your platform to tell your story and share your experiences, it's, it's unreal how much I've learned from just the random one-off videos on YouTube of somebody talking about something they did on a, a set, something they did in this edit that kind of changed, you know, their, their situation and gave them mm -hmm. new opportunities and being able to translate those, those experiences and those ideas and share that in, um, a genuine way is, mm -hmm. it's unbelievably powerful. And the moment I started to really take that seriously and realize that I have a story, you know, not, not to sound, um, self-absorbed by any means, but I have, you know, my experiences that I can hopefully share and help people. That's when I realized that, oh, YouTube is legitimately something that can make an impact and something that if I take seriously and focus on could probably turn into a viable business. And mm. I think the biggest thing that helped me was truly um, not focusing on it for the money at all. Um, the, the more I found the more that I focused on it, the harder I would have to fight, the more discouraged I would become for various reasons, whether it was feeling, you know, um, like an imposter or mm -hmm. not feeling like the, the, the stuff that I was creating was valuable enough or high enough quality. The, the moments and seemingly like, you know, on a week by week basis that I would just ignore those feelings and create because I had stories and ideas that I wanted to share that's when everything just would would work that's when it would grow that's when I would get sponsor opportunities mm -hmm. that's when I would you know network with somebody new and so I've just tried to do my best to maintain that that mindset um all the way through and <laughs> I'm sure as you know it's it's, it's hard happens yeah. all the time that you just, you, know, you happen to stumble upon a new YouTuber, you know, a new filmmaker and you're just like, fuck, they're so good. Like, how are, how are they doing this? How are they creating at this, this tier every single time? But, um, the more you can look at that stuff is just, um, you know, more inspiration and excitement rather than a comparison, the more you'll succeed. Hmm. That's amazing. Um, what was it? I wanted to say something. Um, when, when you were starting, I think something I wanted to say on the YouTube side a little bit, um, because this is something that's, I'm kind of relating to now as I'm growing, I just got past that like 10,000 mark. So yeah. I've been, I've been in that first phase for a while now. And it was really like super discouraging a lot of times when you put so much work <laughs> into like a video and you'd be like, this is going to be the one. And it's not even close to being the one. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I just want to know, like, how were there moments where you kind of felt super, you almost gave up? Like, how did you, how did you get past like the ruts, I guess, in growing in YouTube? Yeah. I mean, uh, a big thing that I realized was, was happening regularly was creating the videos with the, the sort of inevitable hope that it would be like the one. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that every single time I, I put more energy or more, um, I guess, ambition behind a video than just the reason for me creating it. Like every single time I, I put like kind of more eggs into the basket by, I don't know, by spending money to, to go out and get a new lens for it or something like that, or, um, you know, intentionally over editing it or over perfecting the color. Um, those always led to more letdown and more discouragement than, than the positive that would come out of posting a new video. You know, I'm, I'm mm. sure we can all relate the, the moment that you wrap a video and export it and get ready to upload it. It's, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> Dude, it's literally incredible. You feel so good. Yeah. You watch it like six times back on YouTube over the next day. Um, and that feeling is, is really special. And it's something that like, I think a lot of traditional filmmakers, um, you know, cinematographers, video editors, directors, um, who came up in the industry, you know, 10 years before us, like they've never really got to experience that feeling of being able to create, um, you know, stuff truly out of your, your heart and, you know, your own uh, ideas and inspirations and, and share that with the world. It's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a very powerful yep. tool that we have. Um, but it's also so temperamental and it's so easy to, to, again, just invest a little bit more of yourself into it than you, you should have, um, and have all of that, uh, that emotion kind of just turn sour in your mouth. Um, mm. it's, it's a really beautiful thing that we get to, you know, have this platform, but at the same time, it's also so saturated now where, you know, it's, it's nearly impossible to, to avoid that comparison and, um, yes. you know, essentially separate yourself from the idea that, uh, you're in a competition when in reality, I don't think anybody would, um, would be truthful if they said that it, it isn't, um, man, I thought I had some, I was going really good with that. Damn it. Nah, I keep going. No, but I, I like where you're going with the whole comparison thing because I actually just did. Uh, so with this podcast, I do partial guest podcasts and I do solo. And yeah. I just did something recently, just myself talking about the topic of comparison. Cause that's something I personally struggle with a lot. Um, and it's something that I'm getting a lot better at, but it's, no matter if it's just Instagram or YouTube, I am a very supportive person. Um, and I see my fellow like filmmakers, they're putting out an amazing piece of content or amazing. This DP is doing something amazing. And I notice within myself that if I'm in a good place in my life, like if I feel like I'm busy, I feel uh, fulfilled in my life, uh, works good, family's good. I'm way more supportive. Like I feel I, I can, I can be on social media a lot more essentially. But if I, if I'm in a place where I'm in a rut or I'm not feeling fulfilled, 
social media is like a, a the devil to me essentially i feel like i'm not as supportive i mm-hmm. i get envious a lot more um do you do you find social media to have that two sides for you as well yeah absolutely or, it's yeah. it's uh it's so fascinating because I, I i did do a video kind of tapping into this um this i this idea and this thought a little while ago and it, it's um I, I frequently find myself reflecting on it more and feeling like there's another like kind of side to it that I wish I kind of unpacked or thought about um, when before creating that video. And uh, I, I feel very, very similarly where um, when I'm, you know, staying busy and when when things are going well for me and, uh, you know, I feel like I'm I'm taking steps in, in growing and, and learning and, and making mistakes, but, you know, learning from those mistakes. Yeah. Social media becomes this, like, um, this like hub where I feel so connected and so open. And, you know, I, 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 I intentionally find myself trying to reach out to people and asking them questions and, um, you know, trying to respond to the messages and, and, and comments more on, on my own videos that people are asking. Um, but yeah, when I, as soon as I, I run into, um, like a, a creative, creative spill and I'm, um, you know, maybe I had a few jobs, uh, get declined or, um, you know, I, I posted a video that, you know, did half the amount of views that I anticipated it to do. Um, yeah, I, I almost find myself being a recluse and, you know, w- watching content on social and then, um, having these like negative feelings and thoughts of being like, man, like, ah, if I did that video or if I, if I got that project or that campaign mm-hmm. with that company, I, 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 I probably would have shot it like this or, um, and ah, that, that feeling alone, um, it almost makes me feel like this is a terrible analogy, but I don't know if you've watched <laughs> the Harry Potter series, like toward the end where Harry's like starting to get Voldemort in his head and he's just like, mm. ah. Like just acting like an <laughs> asshole. Like I feel like that. I'm just like, damn, dude. Why am I letting like my own like self-creative like insecurities automatically now like completely change how I'm perceiving? You know, the success of Carlo. You know, working on a big commercial. I'm just like, no. That the the moment that that starts happening, like I really try and just like completely shut my phone off and you know, mm-hmm. well, not literally, but just get off social media, stop watching YouTube videos. Um, again, like I said, it's it's such a beautiful platform that we have to share all these stories, but the right mindset and the right framework for how you're consuming content um, is so, so critical. Content consumption is um, such a double-edged sword. It's a beautiful thing that you can learn so much from, but it's also the, the one thing that can eat you alive. And I'm trying to do my best to, to keep myself in that right mm-hmm. mindset anytime I am watching or um, watching films or, or watching, you know, videos from, from people like you or people like Danny. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's the hardest thing. We can, we can talk all about it and, you know, we can sound um, so philosophical about all of it, but the moment that uh, you have to deal with it for yourself is, is a, uh, it's a different story. <laughs> It's really tough. Um, and as you can probably tell, I, on this podcast, I try to steer away from the technical side. Totally. I really don't want to talk about it too much. I'm really into yeah. the men, the mentality and the philosophy and all the things that people don't really talk about a lot. 
Um, yeah. And one thing I noticed when watching your channel is just your, you said it before, your authenticity, your genuineness, your calmness. And I think that resonate, that really does resonate a lot with me because I find that I'm pretty similar in a way. I started my channel with the idea of just trying to be as authentic as possible and just letting people know that as I'm sharing these videos with you, I don't know everything. I'm learning as I'm going. Um, and I put out a video recently um, about surpassing 10K and kind of what it took. And one of the things I talked about was like finding my voice on YouTube. And I'm curious about how you found yours and um, where your mentality is on YouTube. Like, where's that, where's the authenticity come from? Because it's easy yeah. to not be yourself on YouTube. It's very easy to try to be someone else. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> It's really strange because I sometimes I, I wonder. I like to believe that I have an idea of when the when when it started clicking with with regards to like my style and my voice. Like when I when I recount um, you know the story on kind of like a, a year by year basis, the evolution of my channel. Um, I feel like I have an idea of when it happened, but sometimes I'll go back and watch videos at, at those specific times and realize mm -hmm. that it, it didn't happen when I was when I thought it did. Um, but yeah, it's, it is so incredibly easy to essentially mock, uh, the, the content that you watch on YouTube to think that, Oh, like just, you know, this, this is the content that I think is good that I, I strive to, to create. And so you, you'll find yourself doing or editing or shooting in similar ways to all of these other people. And, you know, uh, life imitates art it's 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 and art imitates life there's there's no reason that it's a bad thing to to mm -hmm. take you know ideas and inspiration and and ultimately that's that is literally the best way to, way to learn is to just copy what you find good and what you find uh to be you know quality and how you want to uh learn and and grow and uh, evolve as a creative but especially when you're creating um, for your own brand and voice and, and especially if you're you know somebody who is trying to share experience and knowledge and wisdom, then the moment that you basically break away from your own character and that you're trying to do something else, it's only going to dilute that message. Um, and I guess one thing that I, I kind of realized is, I had the most fun creating videos in the early stages when the ideas were completely, you know, my own and, and they were, uh, you know, creative ideas or bits of humor or, um, you know, using a particular song. Like I, I always found myself being the most creatively fulfilled and the most excited about a piece of content, you know, when I really allowed myself to inject my own personality into it. Mm. I found that the the videos that I was creating that I clearly knew in the back of my head, oh, I'm kind of modeling after this one video that I saw, you know, or I was inspired by something Peter McKinnon posted the week mm. before. <laughs> Those were the videos that I truly, um, had you know, we we talked about it earlier, but more almost like creative suck from like it, it, I, I realized you know in the creative process like ah oh, like 
now I'm, I'm, I'm literally going back to this video referencing this section because I like the way it was edited. So now I'm trying to, you know, copy and sort of duplicate those ideas and into this piece that I'm working on. Um, and while sometimes those videos would perform well and I would, you know, feel a little bit, um, accomplished for, mm -hmm. for, for sort of modeling, uh, my video after something else some, or something somebody else did. Um, there was always so much less, um, fulfillment at the end of it. And I realized like, wow, when I really do just actually follow what my heart is pushing toward, you know, the way I want to act in this video, the, you know, the, the smile I want to have, the tone of voice that I want to have when I really allow my own heart and gut to guide those videos and guide the, the creative voice that I put into it. That's where just things started working. That's where people mm. started relating to me. That's where I started getting, you know, messages from people saying that they're they're so inspired and so grateful that they came across this video because they feel like they're in the exact same place as mm -hmm. me. And once I started getting messages like that, once I started seeing these these dots kind of connect, that oh the more organic I am to myself, the more positive I am in, in my own way, my own humor, the more people are genuinely finding impact and value in this content. Yeah. I, and at that point, real quick, that's kind of where it happened. About, real yeah. On that, I found a video of yours that really resonated with me. It was your, it was like a day in the life of a filmmaker, I believe it was titled. Um, mm -hmm. And that one really resonated with me because something I struggle with a lot is when I'm not, say, out on set working, I struggle at home. Like I should be going a million miles an hour right now working for 14 hours. Like this is yeah. This is what it's like to be a, an entrepreneur, a filmmaker. You have to do this to be successful. And yeah. when I watched your video and you showed some vulnerability about what you don't have to be like that, essentially. Um, and this really isn't a question, but I just want to say that that video in particular for me really resonated with things that I struggle with on a daily basis. No, oh, I'm so glad. And, and that was that was a, a tough video for me to make. Um, it, it started out as, um, I kind of just wanted to like put my red Komodo through its paces, like in a, almost like a vlog sense, just cause it's mm -hmm. not a, a camera that I think most people would, would really consider using for kind of a, a, a piece like that. Um, and as I started shooting it and kind of writing the, the, the monologue for it, um, I found myself literally like lying to myself about how I wanted to present my routine, how I wanted to, um, you know, present kind of like my, my daily practices and habits. And I started realizing that like, if I were to watch a video like this from, um, you know, let's use like Danny as an example and literally every aspect of his routine was, you know, overdone, overpolished, mm -hmm. you know, he's claiming that he's waking up at 545 every single morning and he's yeah. you know, focusing on emails for an hour and a half, like another, another YouTuber that I really admire, but also have a hard time relating to sometimes is Matt Diavala. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love his content. I love his voice. I love his approach, um, with life and you know, how he, uh, how he creates, but at the same time, um, there's there's so much about uh, kind of the polish of his his content that 
I, I have a hard time feeling relating or excuse me, mm. feeling relatable with. And so that's where in that video, I started realizing that like, I think if I present this in a more vulnerable way and, and, uh, you know, essentially being on the nose with the fact that on a daily basis, uh, I almost feel lazy sometimes, but mm. it's also the routine that I've realized keeps me the most happy, the most excited to wake up, you know, on those super early days that, you know, there's a 6am call time or, you know, I have a, a, a travel project, those lazy days, you know, I, I shouldn't even say lazy those simple days are the ones that genuinely, um, make me feel like I'm, I'm able to, to keep doing what I, what it is I, I love to do. Um, and that mentality alone of just, you know, being unafraid to, uh, address those, those vulnerabilities or those flaws or, um, those insecurities in your own, you know, creative voice or your, your workflow, or just, you know, the, the mentality that you put forth in content, um, I think is, is a huge sort of hidden key to success. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I appreciated that video a lot. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that one specifically that I really resonated with. Um, but yeah, you mentioned a fun one. I, I want to yeah, do something it, it like that again, actually. It looked, it looked good too. There were some like really nice, nice moments in there. Um, Thank you. but speaking about your videos and as you've grown, your voice has grown, you've, you've come into your voice. How has your process of creating a video changed from when you started till now? Like when you think about creating a video, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting because I think as many people, when I first got started, there wasn't a lot of pre-production process. It was more of like, I have this idea. It's kind of sat in my head for, you know, maybe a day or two, or maybe it's sat for a couple of weeks and it's like, oh, well now I'm going to create a video about it. And so mm -hmm. that maybe means setting up an, a quick A roll shot. You know, you maybe have a few bullet points, um, down on a notes list for you to talk over. And then, um, you know, sometimes I would have filmed B roll prior to that. Maybe there was some stuff that I filmed like, a, you know, on a photo shoot or something like that, that would be kind of the, the, the meat for the video, or maybe I film the A-roll and then talk about it, or excuse me, film the B-roll after. But, um, there, oh man, there's, there's so many reasons I, I miss creating like that. Cause there was just mm. so much less pressure and it was, um, I don't know, so much more spontaneous. And ultimately I think some of my best video ideas have always come out of that spontaneity. But, um, nowadays, uh, my process is, uh, just about as, thorough sometimes as, you know, a, a commercial that I've, I worked on for or a commercial that I'll work on for a company might be, you know, I'll usually spend, um, two or three days writing typically just like pretty roughly. And kind of, the, I have this like basic kind of video script outline format. So I'll just kind of bullet down like a few of the, the primary ideas and then slowly start writing that, um, into of a more of a proper script format and kind of finding some, value some hook points in it um and just unpacking that for a little while my my wife uh she actually helps me write probably like 
75% of my videos. Oh, wow. She's really involved awesome. in the, uh, the production process. Um, actually, I mean, she, she kind of runs the back end of my, my brand, to be honest. I mean, that's kind of a, another conversation to, to get into, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll spend a few days writing and then usually that'll start kind of going into kind of a little bit of pre-production. Sometimes I'll use Milanote kind of depending on the scale of the mm. video or if there's a sponsor involved or there's travel or logistics. For instance, like the uh, that DJI FPV video that I just did mm -hmm. a couple months back, um, that had uh, yeah a pretty full like Milanote pre-production board um, that had you know various different people involved in it, kind of helping kind of write the, some of the creative concepts. Um, and as much as I I really do think that it it shows that I you know I, I spend a lot of time in pre-production and and really. Um, thinking through these concepts full start to finish and, and um, getting the most out of the, the creative energy that, um, that I, I put into these concepts. And, and I think it, it shows to brands. It's also so, so draining. Um, mm. It's definitely a come to a point now with, you know, the, the YouTube stuff that I do that sometimes um, I almost think I, I am putting too, too much into it and I, I should scale back because especially some of the videos that are, um, more simplified. Um, like for instance, I did a, a video talking about filmmaking gear that made me more money in 2022, where yep. it was literally just like, you know, sat up, um, or set up a, a quick seamless headshot and just mm -hmm. sat and talked about gear. Um, I feel like two years ago, that could have been such a quick freaking video for me to produce. But like, of course I spend half a day like pre-lighting it and like, you know, setting up a bunch of different stuff and trying a bunch of different lighting setups until I was happy with it. And then, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to film like all the B-roll for it. And so, yeah, needless to say, the, the process has gotten overly complex, but mm. I can't, completely, you know, discredit it because I, I do think that it, it shows and it, it does, um, kind of put me in a, um, a little bit of a unique boat with the content I create. There's, there's a lot of people who are of similar channel sizes to me. You know, of course it's, it's competitive. There's tons of different people and everybody's great and has their own unique voices and stuff. But sometimes I, I definitely admire how much simpler other people's videos are, mm. <laughs> but um, I don't know. My brain is just kind of stuck at this particular bar of quality that I can't seem to, to, you know, deviate from. Well, I mean, the quality shows for sure. Um, I, I question myself sometimes. So I'm like, am I just, am I being too simple here? Like for me, my talking head is just like one key light and that's it. As, <laughs> yeah. as much, as much as I'm into lighting and I, I love lighting and I do it for a living. Um, mm -hmm. when it comes to YouTube, Sometimes I don't think about it too much. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to use this key light call today. And yeah. that's, that's about it. But I, I battle sometimes like, all right, am I, I'm starting to grow. Do I need to start stepping it up a lot more now? So I'm, I'm figuring that out right now. Yeah. And it, it's a teeter totter that, uh, um, <laughs> I can confidently say you, you will literally never, um, overcome, um, your, your, even if you get to the point where your channel blows up and you have, you know, a hundred thousand subscribers, you, I promise you, you will still ride that fence of like, man, I, I, I wish I could just like set up this 
this single light here and just like you know, yeah. the camera and just like record and then there's a part of you that's going to be like no I have to strip apart my entire living room and you know set up five lights just to just to do this talking headshot um, <laughs> and it's beautiful it's like it's such a fun thing being able to to use you know the the industry knowledge that that we have um, mm -hmm. and these practices and these skills and techniques and bring it to YouTube and especially when people like compliment it, but don't really understand what they're complimenting. You're just like, yes, mm. like I did the thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so, it's so challenging being mm. in the industry, but also trying to create YouTube content because I think the people who are really the most successful on the, the platform, especially like the content creator people are the people who are just content creators. Yes. The people who are trying to cross the world, kind of like you and I. Um, I won't say that it doesn't work, but it, 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 it doesn't play nicely. Like it, it mm. really is, it's so rare that I find that, they're, that the two worlds are truly able to cross over and not like take everything out of me. Um, mm. The moment I feel like my freelance career is, is doing well and I'm getting good jobs, like, I, I don't have the time for YouTube. And that's also yep. funny enough where I'll start getting demand for YouTube videos and I have to tell a bunch of brands no and then vice versa. The moment I start taking on, you know, all these, these YouTube things and I feel like the YouTube stuff's going really well, I, I have nothing left to give on the freelance front and I get hit up for travel opportunities and I can't, I, it's so weird. They, um, they're, they're two of the same, but also literally not at all. Yeah. Do you find in like the freelance world, like more in the traditional setting that there's like a stigma to being like a YouTuber essentially? Yeah. Like how do you, I don't, maybe I'm just uh shy, but I don't tell anybody that I have a YouTube channel. Like yeah. a lot of people will come up to me and be like, Oh, like I saw this video, like nice channel, whatever, but I don't tell anybody that I actually have one. Yeah. And especially, I think it's, um, there's a, there's a stigma in it. It really bites us in the ass because of how young we are too. Like, you mm. know, we're, we're, we're young in the industry and yeah, we've got experience and, and, you know, we've worked on some really cool things and have, you know, have a, an amazing network of people, but, um, the, the commercial industry and just the, the filmmaking industry as a whole is, is like, it's just ran by all these old heads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these, these gaffers that have been working on sets for 25 years. And so the moment they hear YouTuber or anything or content creator, it's like an immediate, like just eye roll, like, Oh, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I do absolutely try and stay pretty quiet about it. Um, although yeah, there's, there's plenty of times that, you know, producers and stuff like that will be like, yeah, dude, like I saw you make YouTube videos and mm -hmm. stuff and they'll ask tons of questions, but yeah, I'll, I'll specifically try and keep those conversations pretty like, off to yeah. the side. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is strange how, um, how much people disrespect it. But at the mm. same time, I, I, I really think those are, again, like I said, the, um, the, 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 the group of people that, that never had the opportunity to, um, yeah. essentially share the, their, their works and their creations mm -hmm. with, with the world. Of course. Yeah. You know, it goes up on a, a video goes up on a director's Vimeo or something like that. And they share that to a couple of friends and that's like probably pretty fun and satisfying to them. But, um, we're, you know, this lucky 
hybrid breed of, of creatives that literally get to see like every front of, of media and content. And, um, it's, a it's a huge advantage, but, uh, it's, <laughs> I think, I think we're still probably a good five or 10 years off before it, um, that stigma fades. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. The, the people who, who are content creators who, who get into the filmmaking industry, sometimes they'll, I've, I've heard stories of, of, you know, some of my friends who, who will kind of flex that a little bit when they show up on sets or, you know, mm. maybe it's just more videographer work, but, um, yeah, there's, there'll never be a shortage of, of directors, sound people, you know, grips and or who will hear that and just automatically write that person off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, uh, a quick example is that I recently, I put up like a behind the scenes of this commercial that I was shooting and, uh, yeah, I, I paid watched. a, B, yeah, I paid a BTS guy to, uh, to come on set for both of those days. Mm-hmm. And, um, I asked him to kind of just like give an, uh, walk around to the, each of the, like the key people, like the gaffer, key grip, AC, all yeah, these people yeah. just like get an intro and just like get their name and what their title is. The key grip gaffer. They're like, no, not doing that. Get the camera away from me. <laughs> I'm like, but that's a, here. it's a, it's a new thing too, because I, I bring like on sets, I, I DP a lot and I sometimes bring BTS people on sets. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's a whole new thing too. in that traditional setting is the whole BTS yeah. world and how important that yeah. is. And I, I try to pitch it to directors or producers that are kind of timid in a way. It's like, I'm not just doing this for me. Like this BTS could also help the entire production. Like by you guys sharing all this BTS, like there's a, there's a value to it that I don't know a lot of people are seeing yet, but it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. there. I think BTS is super important. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, not only from a, a, you know, a technical side of things of being able to learn how other departments are working and, you know, why a certain component, um, or, or seen in a shoot, you know, was just not clicking and there was something that nobody else was paying attention to. Um, but also beyond that, I mean, it's, it's stupidly valuable to brands. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. literally proof of concept, you know, to, to investors or to, to executives and stuff showing that like, Hey, like this is, here's the end result. Here's how it worked. And here's now you guys can have a little bit of an understanding as to what the process looks like. And mm. I mean, there's, it's, it's like pretty infinite. Yeah. The, the value. And I'm, I'm definitely trying to do the same thing more and more often is just, you know, convince somebody that, you know, maybe it's worth a little bit of extra budget to get a, a BTS person out, or, you know, yep. maybe they're there. It's, it's not even any budget. It's just like, I bring my, my, my wife on set and stick mm-hmm. a, a Sony in her hands and stuff. And so <laughs> yeah. we, we've done that a lot on different projects and every single time. Yeah. Usually they're timid about it at first, but by the end of it, they're like so stoked and asking for the footage yes. and stuff. Abs- and so, always, always. Yeah. It's, it's really funny, but, um, yeah, I, I hope that that will become more, um, kind of standardized, uh, across things. It's, it's just, uh, it's such a valuable resource being able to, to look back on projects like that from mm-hmm. a, a behind the scenes standpoint. Um, I mean, I, i occasionally will, you know, you'll, you'll come across the videos on YouTube of like behind the scenes of like Forrest Gump or something like that. Like mm-hmm. just those old, amazing productions. Um, it's so and, valuable. And it's like, why, like, why are we, how, how, where was this stuff? Like, why, yeah. why, why am I just now seeing this? But yeah, you spend, you know, 20 minutes watching, you know, one of those behind the scenes of, of one of the most amazing shots in film. And it's like, 
I just learned, you know, six months of film school, basically. <laughs> like, yes, it's crazy. literally. Um, I know we're we're over an hour. I hope you have a couple more minutes. I have like a couple more no, questions. No, totally, dude. I'm, I'm All right. Just, I'm just um, so outside of YouTube, uh, more on the freelance side, what are your ambitions with freelance? Like, where do you, do you want to go more traditional where you have like a specific role on set? Where do you, where do you see yourself in that? It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating because I, I don't know, I've, I've, through the last like couple of years, I've, I've gone through these, these really big like roller coaster waves of, of how I perceive my career and what I view as like the, the end goal and, you know, what's going to be the most sustainable. Um, and I've kind of comfortably concluded that, while YouTube is is definitely very you know successful for me at this point, and it does drive like a very large portion of my income, um, I also am terrified and just not willing to to bet essentially my my finances and livelihood on an algorithm. Um, mm. I, I I love the platform, and um, I think the the mentality that I currently have and the attitude I have for it, which is that it's it is it's important and it's definitely something I'm always going to continue doing. It's certainly not something I'm going to like put all my eggs into. Um, and I've yeah, I, I, again over the last couple of years, I've kind of gone you know teeter totters, kind of sometimes I'll lean the other way and be like you know YouTube's great and I really should start taking this seriously and trying to post you know once a week. Um, but I've really, really kind of land on this balance that when I post, when I'm passionate about things and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the con concepts are making sense and, you know, the brands and that I'm working with and the partnerships that I, I pursue, um, when it all, uh, stays authentic, that's where I enjoy it the most. And seemingly again, it kind of makes me the, the most money and success. And so, um, so that being said, YouTube, I don't think is ever going to be the thing that I'll pursue full time. But at the same time, um, it, it definitely is 90% of the reason that I've gotten where I am, even in my freelance career today. Like I've never really had a proper portfolio. I've never, you know, had a CV list. I've never mm -hmm. like had any of that. But at the same time, um, I've had this YouTube channel and it has essentially gotten me the, the, the reputation. And so I, I, I want to always keep that alive. Um, but I, I really do feel I, I, um, I thrive and I'm the most, uh, excited and ambitious and, you know, willing to, to push myself on, uh, more traditional sets. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because of so much of my experience being this kind of like filmmaker, uh, kind of solo, kind of independent mm -hmm. role. Um, I do find myself frequently getting hired into projects where I am wearing more than one hat. Um, yeah. and it's, it's great because in those scenarios, I usually am able to make quite a bit more money because I'm mm -hmm. able to, you know, essentially fulfill multiple roles in a production. Mm -hmm. And so those are really fun, of course, and I, I love getting to be a part of stuff like that. Um, but it is more tedious. It's more difficult. It takes more out of me. Um, it takes a significant amount more time. Um, but uh, that's a big part of why I moved to to Los Angeles. You know, I'm, I'm working very frequently with a, a pretty good group of people and, you know, I have pretty consistent commercial clients. Um, and so it's not that I... I 
don't want to keep pursuing YouTube full time or keep doing those kind of independent projects where I'm, I'm doing the whole production. Um, but for the sake of, you know, my own, my own personal life, you know, being with my, my, my partner and, you know, getting to, uh, I guess, help maintain a better balance. You know, I, I do want to, to be involved more in kind of the, the traditional production format um, because that's the, the area that I think I've invested the most time and energy uh, into refining and, and mm-hmm. um, building. Um, and so if I can kind of m- maintain a balance of um, this, this, this personal brand, but also still, you know, being active and kind of industry, you know, cinematographer. Yep. That's kind of like my ideal balance, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's not Me that too. I, I want to. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, Me too. it's, it's weird because yeah, there's, there's some months where it, it like really clicks and you're like, oh shit. Like if I really kind of like push myself into this, I could probably be working, you know, three or four jobs a week and, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, ridiculously in demand and it's not that I don't have the like the ambition or the drive to do that but at the same time it's like I'm kind of in this like very lucky boat where I I don't have to do that because Mm. I have this this brand that I can sort of keep myself afloat with on on the off time and it also just sort of they at this point they are starting to feed one another in 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 a certain way um, mm-hmm. and so that's a, it's a, it's a very, very, um, lucky position to be in. And, and I, I just keep hoping that I can continue to, to involve myself with people and, and brands that, um, will, um, sort of help and allow those, those brands to coexist, that's by, awesome. you know, hiring, you know, BTS and getting, mm-hmm. getting, you know, potential commercial clients involved by, you know, letting me create a BTS video about it or something like that. So, yep. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Um, I'm, I feel similarly, but kind of opposite. I started in the traditional setting, not in the YouTube side. So my income is 99% traditional, Mm -hmm. um, on commercial sets and documentaries and everything. So now I'm trying to figure out how to get the YouTube thing to come up a little bit. So it's similar, but opposite. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I just have two more questions and the first one is, if you were to go back six year high school when you were in your camera, when you worked at the camera store, would you do anything differently looking back now? Um, I think I would have. And it's, it's not like a significant change or like a, you know, a huge pivot by any means, but um, I spent a lot of time when I was younger, with a crowd of people who were, you know, easily still are some of my closest friends, but a, a, a group of people that genuinely, and it took me up until, you know, two years ago to really realize this, but just people who genuinely didn't care or support, um, you know, the things that I had ambitions toward, the, the, the creative goals that I wanted to achieve. Um, and, you know, when, when, you're, when you're younger and stuff, you know, you, you always have, at least most people have a close group of friends and it's so easy to um, always feel like it's, you have to keep those people around and, mm. and involved in your life just because it's like who you grew up with. It's who you're, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's your homies. It's who, you know, it's who you kick it with, you know, on the weekends. Um, 
but I, I, I failed to realize for so many years that, um, they were a group of people that were actually really discouraging to, to a lot of the stuff I was pursuing. Like I, I talked earlier about how, um, I was really self-conscious because at Mm -hmm. the, the time, you know, the, the content creator path wasn't cool. It wasn't necessarily a, um, a very viable looking outcome, especially from the outside perspective. If you've, if you've never, or if you don't know anything about it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I definitely failed to realize that, uh, yeah, they were, um, yeah, very toxic, uh, to, mm. to me being a, a creative person and in being confident in myself and pursuing, you know, my, my talents and my, my goals. Um, and so, yeah, if I were to go back to that point in my life of kind of starting to watch all of this, this, you know, this potential unfold with, you know, my, my creative, you know, ambitions, I would have better allowed myself to, um, not necessarily not be friends with people like that, but, um, to find friendship and to find community and to find, um, support in Mm areas of, of people who, uh, do care about that stuff and do respect that and do encourage that growth. It's, uh, it's, you know, everybody talks about it, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not what, or excuse me, <laughs> it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, and yes. yeah, that, you could say that that generally applies to, you know, business and network, but at the same time, um, you are the people you surround yourself with. You are the, 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 the people you choose to, you know, associate with and invest time into. And, and if what you're doing, you know, what you're pursuing as a creative, um, isn't being, um, I guess I shouldn't say reciprocated, but isn't being, um, passionately encouraged, mm. uh, you're, you're only going to be swimming uphill at that point or swimming upstream. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, 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 I just, I took that so for granted for, for so long. And it, and it really wasn't until, yeah, a couple of years ago, kind of when I, when I met my, my wife actually, um, that she started encouraging me to, uh, be more mindful and pay attention to, um, you know, how people were treating me and treating the, the things that I was taking seriously. Um, I started taking that you know, really to heart and, um, allowing myself to, to cultivate better friendships and, and disconnect from ones that, that were draining me. And that literally made the biggest difference I think of my entire career. Like it, it it allowed me to take myself more seriously, to feel more comfortable and who I was and what I was doing and feel more okay with failure and growth and learning from my mistakes. And, um, yeah, that, that decision alone, I think was, uh, one of the, the most pivotal moments to, to me, you know, being where I am now. So huh. yeah, if I had the, the opportunity to, to kind of do that differently, um, six, seven years ago, I think that would it be probably, it. <laughs> probably could have changed a lot. Mm, I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, of and the last, the last thing is kind of similar, but the day you got fired, you were pursuing YouTube and you're pursuing freelance. There's probably a bit of uncertainty in your life at that point. If you were at a table getting coffee with that person, which is you, 
that younger version of yourself at that moment when you get fired, what kind of, what would you say to that younger version of you? As you just get fired and you're about to pursue something <laughs> with some uncertainty in your life. It's, it's funny, but I, I think it, it does re relate pretty heavily to, to, to kind of some things that I just talked about. And I, I think one of the biggest components is to truly not worry so much about what other people perceive of me or you and the things and the goals and the hopes that you have for yourself. Uh, it's, again, so much more easily said than done, um, mm -hmm. especially when you're younger. You know, people always say, don't care about what other, other people think about you. Um, but I, especially now, you know, being um, 26 years old and, and having been in this industry for a, a reasonable amount of time and have having gone through kind of every different route and different types of experiences and, and worked on pretty much every level, the more that you truly focus on yourself, your growth, you know, your happiness, your passion, and not allow that to be tainted by what you view uh, or what you think other people might view of your your job or or your your um, passions or your ambitions. That's really where you can make a difference and and grow and and do the things that you want to do for yourself. Mm. Uh, it's it's Amazing. it's just so easy to be held back by that. You know, it kind of kind of connects with the same things we were talking about at the beginning at the beginning of the conversation with regards to comparison. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's so many other feelings that can go alongside of that, but um, truly, those 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 feelings of 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 being conscious and being concerned, hyper concerned with other people's perceptions of yourself, you know, your goals, your path will eat you alive and it will absolutely take away from what you can achieve. We're all so incredibly unique and different and have stories to tell. Um, and when you feel that what you're doing is, uh, isn't living up to somebody else's idea of you, you're, Dang it. I thought I had a really good way to wrap that up. <laughs> no, I think, no, nah, it's okay. I, I think that was, uh, I think that is the perfect way to wrap it up. I think what you said throughout <laughs> that entire moment was, um, that was perfect. I appreciate you sharing all of that. Of um, I appreciate this conversation a lot. Thank you for spending an hour and 15 minutes with me here. Um, so I'm, before we uh, I'm get, glad that we got got to do it. I mean, it feels yeah. it feels really good to talk about these things, especially with you know people you respect. It's uh, it's very refreshing, um, and it, it really does make a big difference to kind of reflect back on some of those those decisions and um, you know those those moments in in my life, and it definitely gives me a certain sense of um, respect for for you know the 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 things that I I struggle with even to this day. Absolutely. Um, thank you. And where can people find you? Share all of your things. 
Yeah, uh, you guys can find me um, on YouTube. That's the the primary place that uh, I'm I'm posting and talking about everything that we've talked about here. Um, my name is Ryan Cow, R Y A N K A K A O. I'm gonna say that again. You guys can find me <laughs> on YouTube. Um, that's that's uh, mostly where I'm sharing my stories and sharing my work, and so my first and last name. You guys can see it in the title of the podcast. Uh, you can also follow me over on Instagram. Uh, don't post on there a ton. It's kind of a toxic platform for me at this point. Um, but yeah, I hope to see some of you guys maybe in the comment section. Thank you so much, Carlo, for having me on here. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, all right, everybody have a great night, day, morning, whatever it is you're listening to, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Musicbed has been my favorite resource for finding music for all of my videos, and now with my podcast, it has been my favorite place to find my intro and outro music. With over 40,000 curated songs available for licensing for any podcast, the music that they have on their roster will help elevate your story and whatever you're trying to share on your podcast. Finding music is also extremely easy with their browse and search tools. Use anything from genre mood to advanced filters like BPM and key. Playlists from your favorite creatives are also an amazing tool. Some of my favorite playlists include chill, hip hop, ambient, cinematic. These are just a few examples of some of the playlists that you can find. And if you still need help finding what you need, Musicbed's team can help you with their complimentary song searches. Hear the difference for yourself and sign up for a free account. Use the code CARLO at checkout and receive one month free when you purchase a podcast subscription. Thank you, Musicbed. So that's all we got for you today. Thanks again for listening to the show. Hopefully you found it beneficial and entertaining. I'd like to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend and leave a review on whatever platform you're using. And as always, thanks again. See you next time.